You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Benson. I've been focusing on that this morning. This is the first time I've been able to to get up and teach um, you guys on a Sunday morning. So um, I'm placing complete confidence in God's Word um, and not in myself. So just uh, trying to focus on that this morning. Like Adam said, uh, this is... An important morning because we're we're discussing the future of our church, what that looks like um, as we begin to to go out in the community to make an impact for God's glory and uh, for the sake of the gospel. And um, it's really neat because I chose to study this specific passage months ago. Um, this was a passage that's always stuck out to me. Second um, Corinthians chapter eight, one through five. Because of the language that's used within those short amount of verses, um, talks about affliction and poverty, but at the same time it talks about joy and generosity. Um, talks about um, giving uh, according to their means and beyond their means in the same group uh, of those verses. And so it's always stood out to me, you know, what does what's going on here? There's a lot of uh, opposite ends of the spectrum, all in this short amount of, of scripture. Um, so I chose to study this several months ago before we even knew that that we were going to be in the opportunity that we are um, to uh, to to place ourselves in a better situation um, as far as praying for a new facility. Um, but also, you know, just a couple months ago, we um, we finished up our membership, um, and so. Along with that, we're hoping to, now that we're members together, we've committed ourselves together, let's, you know, make an impact in this community. Because we didn't just decide to come to Sonoy to meet in a building together on Sunday mornings um, and grow in our knowledge, which is, is all good. But the, the point of coming to Sonoy was really to make an impact in Sonoy together uh, for God's glory, for the sake of the gospel together. Um, so I'm going to try to stay away from my notes as much as I can this morning, but again, this is new territory for me, so I will go ahead and thank you for your graciousness towards me. Uh, and already my, uh, my notes are out of order, so this ought to be fun. Um, so if we're going to, to impact Sonoy, which is what I mean, we're talking about the Great Commission here. Okay, it's been given to all of us. We want to go and, and make disciples. So we want to take the gospel to people, to, to bring salvation um, to people uh, by being used by God. That's going to require us giving of ourselves in a lot of ways. Um, it means giving of ourselves through time, through discipleship. If we're going to make new believers, and Adam's been real heavy on us, you know, learning if I'm going to make a new believer, I've got to be ready to lead them and disciple them. Well, you know, some of that can happen, uh, you know, just through coming here on Sunday morning. But the majority of that happens through us giving of our time and meeting with people and, and going through Scripture together and teaching them. It doesn't just happen all of a sudden. Um, for the majority of us, we didn't have that person to disciple us. So it's happened over, you know, several years um, of you know, learning from different people, but it, it should look like us making new believers ready to disciple people, which requires a lot of our time. And we have to be prepared to do that. If we're going to put ourselves in a situation where we're ready to make a bigger impact 
in Sonoy, we have to be ready to give of our time. Um, and also requires us giving of our money uh, in different ways too, and our resources. So if that's what we're planning to do here, if that's what our, our point of being in Sonoy is, making an impact for the gospel, we've got to, we've got to get ready for what's ahead. Okay? Um, we're going to go ahead and we'll dive into the text. If you'll turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. That's a little boy back there. He just loves Sunday morning. Um, but again, emphasis of prayer. We're looking for a new location to help Jack cry in a room that we can't hear him in. Okay? Um, so 2 Corinthians chapter 8, uh, 1 through 5. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own free will, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Okay? Just some real quick uh, historical context here. This is Paul talking to the Corinthians. He's talking to the Corinthians about a collection. This collection that he's referring to is for the church in Jerusalem, which started at the day of Pentecost. We've got thousands of people who are in Jerusalem when the day of Pentecost happens. Lots of pilgrims who have, who have come, or people who have made pilgrimages to Jerusalem, and now all of a sudden they're believers in Jerusalem, not their home country. And this is the only place where believers are at this point. So if I'm in Jerusalem and I've given my life over to Christ, I'm not going back, you know, miles and miles away to my own village. I need to know more about this Christ that I've just given myself to. And, and, and I'm going to, to stay here with other believers and let's, you know, let's learn about this Christ together. So you've got all these, these people who are pilgrims who are pilgrimages who need a place to live. Okay. They need money. And then on top of that, you have people who do live in Jerusalem who now are going to be kicked out of their homes because they've given their lives over to Christ. They're going to be fired from their jobs because they've given their lives over to Christ. And so now you have just this huge amount of people who are homeless and poor. Okay? So Paul sets off to raise a collection among all the churches um, as they are established and say, Hey guys, the situation's really bad here. And we need to, to get up some funds together for the church in Jerusalem. Okay? So that's what he's saying. He's, he's actually said this to the Corinthians already. If we look um, at 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 1 through 4, um, it says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, okay, he's talking about the church in Jerusalem, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit to letter by, to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will, they will accompany me. So he's already told the Corinthians this one time, talking about the collection. Okay, The history of Paul and the Corinthians is really rocky. They have a rocky relationship. Um, you know, He goes and... Uh, he starts the, the church in, in 
Corinth there with believers, and then you know he leaves to, to go on to, to plant other churches to share the gospel. And these these other people come in and they start questioning Paul's authority. Um, they also start giving themselves into uh, sexual immorality, you know, that's in the culture there. And so at some point they write a letter to Paul that Paul refers to, um, and he and they're asking questions about the collection. So really. 1 Corinthians isn't even the first time they've heard about it. They're asking questions, and so that's why he says, Now, concerning the collection to the saints, okay, you guys asked about it. This is what it should look like. And then he kind of gives them an order of how they should take up the collection. Um, so after the, the letter in 1 Corinthians, there's more questioning, you know, what's, you know, of Paul's authority. There's, you know, they're giving themselves into more immorality. And so. If we look at 2 Corinthians, Paul is addressing a lot of that relationship with each other. Specifically in chapter 7, Paul begins to really um, restore that relationship to each other with, with the Corinthians. And so now we're in chapter 8. Okay, And now, we're, now he's in essence saying, okay, now that all that's behind us, let's get back to this collection that I've already told you about previously. But, you know, we got to get the ball rolling on this again. Okay? Um, so... The passage that we're looking at today, he's using the Macedonians as an example. Okay, he's saying, listen up, Corinthians. In Macedonia, this is how these people are giving of themselves. And so this, in essence, is how you should also give of yourself. Um, And really, he's not communicating that just to the Corinthians. Now we see he's really communicating it to all believers. Um, So... All of us have shared in the grace of God. So all of us, in reflection of that, should be giving of ourselves in the same way as the Macedonians. By the way, what's really cool about the Macedonians is a region. And within that region is the church at Philippi, which we've studied at Mount Gilead under Adam. And also the church, uh, the the Thessalonians. Um, So both of those groups of people, which we know a whole lot about, you know, we're going through uh, Thessalonians right now. Those are the people that Paul is using as, a, as an example, which is really cool because we know a lot about those people and things that Paul's taught them. So it's cool to kind of keep that in mind, like they're the star student, you know. Hey, look at these guys. Follow their example, you know, um, kind of thing. So um, let's look at uh, verse 1. I'm going to read through verse 1 real quick. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Um, the emphasis there is on the grace of God. What Paul doesn't say is, I want you to know, brothers, about the money that's been given among the believers in Macedonia. I want you to know, brothers, about the time that's been given among the churches of Macedonia or the, or the resources. He doesn't refer to tangible things. The emphasis is on the grace of God. Like, this isn't anything that the Macedonians have come up with. It's not anything particularly special about them. It's the grace of God. That's where the emphasis is on, and that's what we're going to go back to throughout the verses today, is back to the grace of God, because everything about them that they did that we're going to see is in reflection of the grace of God. Um, So, uh, your first point there, by focusing on the grace of God through Christ, we give of ourselves in reflection of His grace. Everything about our giving is in reflection of His grace. Um, so we said this is 
meant for all believers to use as an example, even though the, the, he's speaking specifically to the, um, to the disobedient Corinthians, the rambunctious Corinthians. He's really talking to all of us. All right, let's all look at this example together. Um, so if the emphasis is on the grace of God, and let's pretend for a second that we are the Corinthians. All right, we're here together, and Paul's just given us this letter. You know, we're probably pretty selfish and prideful, but that's not really us, right? No, it is us. Um, so we're probably pretty selfish and prideful. He sent us this, this letter, and we're looking at it. It's probably on a scroll, so you got to roll it up. Well, before chapter 8, he talks about God's grace through Christ and what that means, what it looks like. Okay, and he talks about it in chapter 5. So turn, roll your scroll to chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 17. says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And then verse 1 of chapter 6, working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Okay? So that's our picture of the grace of God through Christ. Okay? Paul just stated it in our letter that we've read to, to all of the Corinthians. He's talking about the grace. And then he says, in light of all this, don't receive this grace in vain. So now we're going down to uh, chapter 8 in our scroll, right after that. And now he's saying, let me tell you, brothers, about the grace of God that's been given among the believers in Macedonia. Okay? So, same verb, same wordage there, grace, grace. Alright, so, if that's what's been given among Macedonia, is that type of grace, the, the message of reconciliation, uh, bringing us sinful believers um, into a relationship with Christ, that's what needs to be given. Okay? And we could just stop there and say, okay, that's awesome, but we're the type of people who need more explanation. So he gives us the example of the Macedonians. It's very easy to follow a blueprint as opposed to just saying, you know, I want it to look this way, you know. But we have a blueprint here, which is awesome for us because, you know, we as sheep, we tend to, to wonder and do things that we're not supposed to. Um, so everything goes back to the grace of God. Um, all right. Verse 2, we're, we're going to go through and we're going to kind of dive into the uh, different circumstances of the Macedonians, what they were going through. And we're going to find that through those, through those things that they're going through, we can identify ourselves with those in some ways. And as we go through this, I want us to be thinking about our time and our money. Okay? Our time and our money. All right? What, how do we... Um, use those things in our lives right now. What does that look like uh, in our own lives? And if the Macedonians are a good enough example for Paul to use to the Corinthians, they're a good enough example for all of us. So let's follow their example. Okay? Um, first two, I'm going to uh, read through it. And as I read through it, 
try to focus in on some different things, circumstances that are going on uh, with the Macedonians. Okay, Verse 2. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. So what's the first thing we see right there that's going on? Yeah, I mean, and a severe test of affliction, not just like, you know, affliction, like Paul says, severe test of affliction. Um, our first point there, uh, by focusing on the grace of God through Christ, we give of ourselves despite our circumstances, okay? Macedonians are experiencing a severe test of affliction, all right? So we give of ourselves despite our circumstances. So how do we give despite our circumstances? What does that mean? What does that look like? Um, for the Macedonians, if we go and look um, in Philippians and Thessalonians, because those are the people who make up the Macedonians, um, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to read Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Alright, so there's suffering going on, but it's not just suffering for the sake of suffering, it's suffering for his sake. First Thessalonians, and you became, uh, chapter 1, verse 6, sorry. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So much affliction going on with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So we already know that these people are, are giving the grace of God. But now we're seeing the, the types of affliction that they're actually going through. Okay. Um, there's also uh, some references to affliction that they experienced in Second Thessalonians chapter one verse four, and also in Acts seventeen verse five through nine. That's actually like initially Paul in Corinth and the persecution that they experienced. They talk specifically about a guy named Jason. Um, that they came after because they couldn't find Paul anymore. And they actually took money from him as kind of like a deposit to say, I don't know, if, if these guys come back or, or something. It doesn't, it's not specific in what it says. But in essence, they took a deposit of money from him. I guess, I mean, really, they're probably going to keep it. But let's not get too much into that. So there's persecution going on, much affliction going on from the get-go, okay, from, from the very start. Um says it, it's evident in the text here that dis, despite their affliction, it didn't affect them giving, okay? It didn't affect them giving the grace of God. Now, what does that look like for us? Obviously, we don't experience aff affliction in the same manner that they do. Um, I'm sure if we lived in another country, there, there would be affliction on our behalf, um, but... Let's just say for a second that, um, that we do live in a different country. Our first tendency under affliction and persecution wouldn't be to continue to give of ourselves, of our time and our money in the same way. You know, For me personally, I can say that if my family was under attack in some way, that my first tendency would probably be to close up you know, like a clan, like you know, kind of hide out in a sense and, and not be willing to still give of myself toward... You know, discipleship with other people in my community or giving myself through, you know, giving money away. Um, so I can say for myself that, the, you know, that that's probably not my first tendency is to 
be willing to give still of my time and my money. So obviously there's a problem there for myself that, uh, that I need to, to work with. And we'll, as we continue to work down, we're going to see, you know, maybe where that problem is rooted uh, within us. Um, it all comes back to for the Macedonians that they were willing to give of themselves um, unhindered by affliction. That's your uh, first point. But they were willing to give of themselves unhindered by affliction, not because they were strong, not because they had a lot of money. They weren't willing to give um, unhindered by affliction because of something in and of themselves. They were willing to give unhindered by affliction because they're focusing on the grace of God through Christ in their lives. That's their foundation. And that's what they go back to. All right? Um, and it should be the same for us. For me, my focus should be on the grace of God through Christ. And that's what helps me to give of myself unhindered by affliction. All right, so how did they respond to their severe test of affliction? Well, right after that, we see um, they had an abundance of joy. All right. I could probably say I would have an abundance of fear. All right. But they had an abundance of joy. All right. Um, abundance here. We're going to dive into the Greek because that's fun. Um, and because you get to see different meanings for the same word. The word is parousia. Probably not the way to say it. It means. This is a this is an English word. It means superfluity. Um, or the another word would be superfluous, um, and these are English words. I, I promise you. Um, it means excessively large amount. All right, abundance, um, super, superfluity. Use that tomorrow. Um, I have a superfluity of, um, and then you insert a word. <laughs> That works for you. All right. Uh, just make sure you have a lot of it, whatever it is. So excessively large amount of joy. Okay. They had a bunch, uh, a bunch of joy. Um, joy here, I'm going to tell you what joy isn't. It's not that they were content to give. And it's not that they were satisfied to give. It wasn't just a, you know, all right, I'm doing this type of thing. Uh, you don't just have a, a, an abundance of, here you go. Um, they were, you know, a Chick-fil-A term, but it was their pleasure in a sense. And they meant it, which doesn't, you know, a lot of times when that's said, it, it, it's not meant. Um, maybe it feels a little rehearsed, but it was their pleasure. Um, and it wasn't just simply their pleasure. It was an abundance amount of their pleasure, if that makes sense. Um, I work at Chick-fil-A, so <laughs> technically I have to say that every six hours. Um, real quick, we're going to uh, scroll. We're going to turn our scrolls to chapter 9. It should be the, uh, just two turns of the scroll. Chapter 9, verse 7. 
says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. All right, so this is, goes back to that joy. All right, don't give, says, reluctantly or under compulsion, but God loves a cheerful giver. All right, do we make up our own cheerfulness? Do I make up my own um, you know, it's my pleasure when I say it. It's going to be obvious to you if it really is my pleasure or not. It's going to be obvious to you if it really is an abundance of joy. But we can see that the Macedonians responded with an abundance of joy because they're focusing on the grace of God through Christ. And that is where that abundance of joy is fueled by. That's the foundation of their abundance of joy. Anything else is just something that I've created on my own. Which isn't going to last in the end. You know? Um, so we give of ourselves, uh, unhindered by our circumstances, we give of ourselves unhindered by affliction, and then we respond with an abundance of joy. This should be your next uh, blank right up under number one. We respond with an abundance of joy. Alright? That's their response to affliction. And that should be our response to affliction in our lives. In light of the, the, the grace of God through Christ, that should be our response as well. Um, so how else do we give despite our circumstances? Let's look back at the text. It says, um, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty. Okay? Um, this is kind of a little uh, more of a historical context to it, but um, this area had been occupied by Romans for a long time. The Romans, uh, the, let's see, mining was a big deal in the Macedonian area with silver and gold. So that there was a lot of wealth there. Of course, the Romans took that over and kind of, you know, sucked the life out of it um, and kind of put, put a lot of heavy taxes on the Macedonians to the point to where at one point it says that they they released the taxes from them just far enough to where they could come back out and it says kind of crawl out of a hole. And then they taxed them again. So it was so bad that they said, all right, we're going to stop taxing them for a while because, I mean, they felt pity on them. And so they let them kind of get back on their feet again and then hit them again with taxes. So that's how poor the people are here. Um, extreme. In front of poverty there, as two words put together, basically means the deepest, the deepest level of poverty. Um, word poverty uh, is another word that's used to mean to beg in embarrassment or shame. So this is very heavy, um, very heavy wordage that Paul's using to describe the Macedonians' poverty. Um, another point is that Paul never addresses, this is really interesting to me, Paul never addresses um, riches, like as far as like worldly wealth, in Philippians or Thessalonians. Um, that's not an issue for them. They don't struggle with worldly riches and having to handle those, so there's no reason for Paul to address that in his letters to them at least. Um, so these are very poor people. Um... I'm going to read Philippians 4.19, and to me, this kind of helps show how the Philippians were able to deal with their extreme poverty. 
It says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Jesus in Christ Jesus. So that essence of, you know, we're the Philippians and we're going to trust God despite our extreme poverty because God has promised it to us in Christ Jesus. So again, going back to the grace of God in Christ. Um, so the Macedonians are this example of us that despite their extreme poverty, you're blank there, we can give of ourselves unhindered by poverty. All right. Um, now, how does poverty look in our lives? I'm sure, I mean, when I was a teenager, I felt poor. Um, I mean, no matter what my circumstances were, were I was poor. Um, but if we look at the context of the rest of the world, we are very wealthy people. Like, we have a lot of resources at our fingertips. Just the simple fact that we have clothes on and we're going to eat lunch today. We're wealthy people uh, in, in contrast to the rest of the world. So I wouldn't say that we are poor as far as money is concerned, but if, let's think about our time for a second. My time, I get to choose what I do with my time, um, and you know, I fill up that time somehow, especially as a, as a husband, as a father, as you know, having a, a job that I go to um, 40 hours a week. Like My time gets filled up. Um, but it doesn't get filled up to the point to where I don't have any free time. And even some of the things that I'm doing during my time aren't really necessary. Um, and I don't want to go into specifics about each of your, how you spend your time. But I know um, for us as a church, when we begin to make relationships in this community, that's going to require time. If we're going to make new believers in this community, if we're going to share the gospel and make disciples, that's going to require time. And God hasn't placed us here and said, I know that these are busy people, um, so I'm not holding them to make disciples. No, he's placed us here for a reason, for a purpose. And that's to impact this community. And that requires time. So each one of us needs to look at our time and figure out, okay, what am I going to take away? What am, I, what am I doing right now that I don't really need to do that I'm going to be able to take away? Because God is going to be faithful in providing people for me to, to invest my life in. And I need to be ready for that. Um, so in that essence, right now, we could say that as far as our time is concerned, we're poor. Uh, we all only have 24 hours in a day. We each get to choose how we spend that. So we've got to figure out among that time that we've been given, how am I going to make time for these people? All right? All right, so we're giving ourselves unhindered by poverty. And how do we respond to that? We respond with a wealth of generosity. All right? We give of ourselves unhindered by poverty. We respond with a wealth of generosity. It says... For in severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. That's one of those words when I first saw it, I was like, okay, wealth typically means money. Generosity means you give money. But just a second ago it said extreme poverty. So, wait a second. Well, if we look at the actual word generosity, um, it means the opposite I guess this might be the term for opposite if we were on the football field or something. Opposite of being double-minded uh, in the sense that 
if I'm going to do something for you, I'm not thinking about how that affects me. Okay? If I'm going to give of my time or my money to you, I'm not thinking about how it affects me. It's the opposite of being double-minded. Because our tendency is to say, okay, if I do this, if I take time out of here, I'm not going to have time to do this. Or if I give money here, I'm not going to be able to afford this. You know, it's always this for that. It's like a seesaw. You know, I'm giving some here, so I got to give some here, kind of thing. Well. Generosity, the term there, opposite of being double-minded. Completely focused over here. There's another term that we've studied before that is very similar to this in Echo. Okay? I'm, I'm thinking of the other person's needs before my own. Um, real quick, uh, I'm going to read Philippians uh, 2, 3. It's where we get uh, the word Echo. Uh, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. So these are the Philippians that we're talking about in Macedonia. They've heard this, and obviously they're doing it. Okay, they responded in a wealth of generosity. The aspect that they're not thinking about themselves, they're thinking about other people. And Paul says here, guess what? They're doing it. Okay? Um, so this generosity isn't something that, you know, just happens. It's obviously something that I, is in, within our hearts. Okay, these are the hearts of the Macedonians. All right, generosity isn't the action of what they're doing as much as it's where's their heart, where's their heart focused. Um, so for us, what does that look like as far as our time and our money? For Jen and I, uh, recently we had a cookout for our neighbors. We hadn't. Been able to meet our neighbors yet? You know, everybody kind of comes into their house in the evening and you don't see them. Our neighbors next door, the guy works for Delta. He's got weird hours. Um, the We live right on the entrance of our neighborhood when you come in. So there's not somebody over here. There's not somebody over there. It's just one, two, three, four. Okay, so we're, we're limited there. And so we decided we don't want to be here for a whole year and not have gotten to know our neighbors. So we decided... All right, we're going to have a cookout. We're just going to do this, all right, because we're not satisfied with being here for this long and not having met our neighbors, so we're going to do this. We're going to have a cookout. So Jen typed up some little cards, some little invitations, and uh, we decided we weren't just going to do burgers and hot dogs because it's your typical cookout. We're going to go chicken, okay? Barbecue chicken because people can't resist barbecue chicken, Okay. So we did barbecue chicken, and we had some cold watermelon, and uh, Adam came and he did his famous uh, homemade ice cream, which is, I mean, you just say homemade ice cream, people are there, right? Plus barbecue chicken, I mean. So um, they came over, and, uh, you know, it was totally, they, they didn't have to bring anything, they didn't have to pay for anything, we just wanted them to come. And just having conversations with them, inviting them, they were like, are you sure you can't bring anything, are you sure? And it was just like, no, we just want you to come. All right. Regardless of what it costs to do this, we need to meet you because we want to build relationships with you. Okay, we want to share Christ with you. That is why God has sovereignly placed us here in this neighborhood is to invest in your lives and get to know you. Come to our house, knocking on the door. All right. And they came, and it was awesome. Um, 
I was able to, to build on a relationship with a guy across the street who I'd never met before. He works at Lowe's and Noonan, so now I'm intentionally going to go to Lowe's to see this guy. Can you help me with this, 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 you know, kind of thing? Like, I need to get to know you because I'm here for a reason. I'm here for a purpose. And it's all in light of God's grace through Christ for what he's done for us. What we looked at in chapter 5, okay? That's why I'm here. Don't let this grace go be given to you in vain for no reason, okay? So... They gave of them, we give of ourselves unhindered by poverty and we respond with a wealth of generosity. A wealth of generosity. Um, so ultimately, all of this uh, can be summed up in that we give of ourselves unhindered by our circumstances. That was our first point up there. Give of ourselves unhindered by our circumstances. Regardless of poverty, regardless of affliction, we respond with an abundance of joy, superfluity of joy. Um, and then with a wealth of generosity. Alright, back to the text. Verse 3. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord. Alright, so you can kind of look at that. There's some commas in there. If you're looking at the same version as I am, it kind of splits things up. We, they gave according to their means, as I can testify, beyond their means, their own accord. Alright, so those are different clumps in there that we're going to specifically look at. Um, this again is kind of ironic that he's saying they give of their means beyond their means of their own accord because we just talked about how poor these people are. Like so poor that the Romans had pity on them enough to raise their taxes so that they could live, you know, basically. So if these people are so poor, how, you know, why are we talking about according to their means? Um, the second um Point there, we give, by focusing on the grace of God through Christ, we give of ourselves out of what God has given us. Out of what God has given us. Um, so how do we give of ourselves out of what God has given us? Um, specifically in the first part there, they gave according to their means. Alright? We give of ourselves out of our ability. Alright? We give of ourselves out of our ability. Alright, the word means in that, according to their means, also uh, can be ability, which is what we have in our blanks, out of our ability. can also mean power, according to their power. Okay? And it's, it's, it's basically based on proportion. Alright? This is what the people have. Do they have much? No. But based on what they have, they gave what they could. They gave what they were able to give out of their power. Was it a lot? No. Not in worldly standards, but it was a wealth of generosity as we've already seen. They didn't have a lot, but they gave according to what they could. All right? They gave out of what God had given them. Second um, Corinthians chapter 8, same chapter we're in, verse 12. Kind of roll down there in your scroll. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has. Okay? According to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. If the readiness is there to do this, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not what a person doesn't have. God's not wanting me to use some 
spiritual credit card or, or you know, some, some credit card to, uh, to give more than I can afford. Okay? Like we said, we only have a certain amount of time in our days. I can't give more than how much time I have. Okay? I have a set amount of, of money that I'm giving from. God doesn't want me to use credit cards to go around buying, you know, whatever, you know, for anybody. You know, he, he's only called me to give of myself based on what he's given me. Okay? He has sovereignly placed me in the position that I'm in and given me what I have. And he's only called me to give of that right there. Okay? I can't create more time than 24 hours, but based on the 24 hours I do have, I'm going to use it according to my means. Based on how much money I have, I'm going to use it according to my means, according to my ability. Okay? I'm going to use it. Um, Recently, I've been convicted over being faithful to give what I have set aside. One of the neat things about uh, the way we're set up here is that we don't have salaries to pay. Adam's not on salary. Tyson's not on salary. So we don't have to pay for the building and salaries together. So we are able to say, okay, set a certain aside, uh, uh, set a certain amount aside to give. And we've asked you guys to, to share that with us so we can plan for the future. But we want you to hold some back too so that you can give on your own. All right? So we're not just all coming and saying, okay, here's what I got. Take it. All right, next. Here's what I got. Take it. Which is great for us. It's awesome that we can do that. But I've been convicted in, am I being faithful? I know I'm being faithful here because this is easy. Am I being faithful to take the rest of that amount and give it away as well and use it as well? I need to make sure that I'm being faithful here because this is how much I have set aside according to my ability I need to be faithful to give of that, okay? Because if I'm not, then I'm in essence I'm saying, you know, you know what I have, God, you know what I've set aside, but I'm I'm not I'm not keeping up with where it all is going, okay? Which would be unfaithful on my side of things, okay? So we give of ourselves out of our ability, out of what uh, God has given us. But is that it? Is that the end of it? Is that all God requires of us that we give of ourselves out of our ability? Um, it says, for they gave according to their means, as Paul says, he can testify, and beyond their means. Okay, beyond their means. So we give of ourselves beyond our ability. Now, again, we're not saying give of yourself more than what you can afford as far as going into debt. We're not saying neglect your family, neglect your job. You know, that's not the position that God has placed us in. As a husband, I'm responsible for them. So I'm not giving out of, you know, being faithful to uh, my family or faithful to keep my job, obviously. Um, But beyond, meaning uh, Hooper, saying Hooper and Echo, is really means above or more than. So I've got, this is what I can give based on my ability, or maybe what is comfortable, but now I'm going to give above or beyond what's comfortable or my ability. I'm going to go past that. Um, if I'm going to be 
If I'm going to have a wealth of generosity and be a cheerful giver, it doesn't just stop with based on my ability or based on what I'm comfortable with. So I'm going to go beyond that. Okay? Just like the, the Macedonians did. If anybody can go beyond their means, if anybody can't go beyond their means, it's the Macedonians. Alright? But if they're our example and they can give beyond their means based on their circumstances, I should be able to give beyond my means based on my circumstances. All in reflection of God's grace through Christ. Okay? Um, I'm going to read from Philippians 4.19. You guys don't have to turn this, turn there. But this is another promise that the Philippians were able to hang on to. And obviously they were obedient and trusted this promise. It says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Alright, that same one that we looked at earlier. Obviously the Philippians are trusting God in this area of their life with poverty. Okay, and it's evident in that they gave beyond their means. Okay? Not just based on what they could afford or based on what was comfortable. Alright? So what does it look like for us with our time and our money? How do I give beyond my means? Um, recently, as I'm studying this for the past month and a half, I was convicted in my own life how I was being faithful to give beyond my ability as far as my time. And so I'm trying to be uh, purposeful in using my time to uh, invest in other people's lives and get to know other people better in, you know, within our body of believers. Um, in the past, I feel like I've been very selfish with just kind of viewing myself closed off. You know, I'm taking care of, of my own thing, and then I come here on Sunday, and I try to have a quick conversation, you know, with, with certain people, and then I leave. And then I don't have another conversation with those people until next Sunday. That's not enough. If I'm going to, to say that I'm ready to give of myself for this community, I need to be faithful to, to be giving of myself as far as my time is concerned with the people who are already here, with my friends, with the, with the body that, that God has placed me in. So I was convicted. Adam, you know, you have to open up yourself and find, make that time. Get rid of some of those things that aren't necessary and make time to, to give of yourself towards uh, being in, in relationships here within ourselves because guys ultimately we want to say that we're ready to give of ourselves for the sake of non-believers here and if we're not being faithful to do that within this group how can i say i'll be faithful to do that with strangers i don't even know okay um adam's been challenging uh myself and tyson and ben to view ministry not separate from our families, but together. Um, and he sent an article from the Gospel Coalition. I'm going to uh, quote that. It says, God never separates the assignments he gives us from his sanctifying process in us. So he never separates family and ministry from the sanctifying process in us. Okay, It's not like you, know, you can do ministry and I'll sanctify you in that, but not in family. Or I'll sanctify you through family and not in ministry. Like, God's placed me in both of these positions. He plans on sanctifying me through both of them. He says, He is at work within our family ministry to sanctify you 
for your church ministry. And he is at work in your church ministry to sanctify you through your family. Okay? So to view those things together and put those things together is the mindset that I need to have. I need to use these things together instead of saying, I can't do this because I gotta do this, or I can't do this because I gotta do this. God's placed me in the position of being in both, responsible for both. So I need to start viewing myself in that and having that mindset of going beyond my ability, okay, making that time for both together, okay? And it also keeps your family from getting mad at your ministry and your ministry from getting mad at your family, you know, from taking time from both as well. Um, and again, it's all in light of us focusing on the grace of God through Christ. Remember at the very beginning, let me tell you, brothers, about the grace of God that's been given among the believers in Macedonia. So all of this is in light of the grace of God, which we looked at in chapter 5. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin, we might become the righteousness of God. It's all in perspective of that. Okay? Um, let's go back to the text. We're doing great. Verse 4. Actually, it's going to be the end of verse 3. And the end of verse 4. It says, of their own... Here, we'll just go back to verse 3. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, which we looked at, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. You might say, Adam, why did you, why did you split those up? Um, well, because of their own accord isn't necessarily what they were giving out of, but it was more of their attitude of how they were giving out of it. They, they did it on their own, of their own accord. Um, we can say that by focusing on the grace of God through Christ, we give of ourselves with a renewed heart. Okay? This aspect of their own accord, begging us earnestly and for the favor, we can give of ourselves with a renewed heart. Okay? There are different things inside of my heart now that I'm a believer, different passions and desires that are evident in my heart. So I have new, um, a, a renewed heart inside of me. Um, so they gave up their own accord. How did they, or in their giving, uh, we said they um, gave of what gave according to their means and beyond their means of their own accord. There was no pressure for the Macedonians to give. All right, there, there was no. All right, guys, you know Paul's here and he's saying, you know, you got to do this. All right, you have to give. This amount, or you, you have to be willing to do this. Paul says, they did this on their own. Like, th this was all them. And it almost makes you think, like, I wonder if Paul went to these guys and thought, there's no way I can ask these folks to give towards the church in Jerusalem. I mean, extreme poverty. There's, there's just no way. You know, it kind of makes you think, Paul was just like, all right, uh, I guess I'll go down the curtain. Corinthians now, uh, you know, because these, these folks are suffering so much. He says that not only did not only did they give beyond their means, but they did it of their own accord. They did it on their own, which tells me there's something going on inside. So we can give of ourselves out of our own choosing. Okay, we can give of ourselves out of our own choosing. 
Um, in the same letter here, 2 Corinthians, a little bit below that, we're going to use the word superfluous again. Just so it's word of the day. Chapter 9, verses 1 through 2, it says, Now it is superfluous, or unnecessary in this context, for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. What he's saying is, I told the Macedonians that you guys were giving towards a collection, and it stirred them up. It says, your zeal has stirred most of them up. So really it's like, Paul's telling us about the Macedonians and how they gave, but the whole reason why the Macedonians gave is because Paul told them about the Corinthians who had started a collection up. So it's like, Paul's giving us the example of the Macedonians to the Corinthians, and then he says, oh, by the way, the whole reason why they're doing this is because they heard that you were giving. Um, so it's kind of like a, you know, using them as an example, when the only reason they're an example is because they heard about you giving. Um, so out of that news that the Corinthians were giving, the Macedonians said, well, if they're giving to the, to the saints in Jerusalem, we're going to do it too. Like, we're going to be a part of this. We want to be a part of what's going on. Um, so what does this look like for our time and our money? Uh, it's easy for us to say, you know, that we have uh, set a certain side of, uh, set a certain, a certain amount aside and that we're going to go uh, beyond that, we're looking for ways, you know, to, to connect with, with people, whatever that looks like for you. But at the end of the day, it's up to you to do it. All right? We can't say here at Sovereign Hope, um, you have to give this amount and you have to devote, you have to devote um, community hours to, to do such and such. Like, it's up to you. Um, and it kind of reminds me of that sick feeling that I get sometimes when I'm doing something that I'm not comfortable with doing. Like I'm going to go talk to our neighbors who we haven't met before. Or, uh, you know, if I'm going to go have a conversation with somebody at work, it's like that sick feeling inside of you that's like, are you sure you want to do this? Like, I mean, you're really putting yourself out there kind of thing. It's just like, you, yes, like I have to do this. Like, this is why God has placed me here. Like, I have to do this, despite my, the sick feeling inside of me, despite my selfishness wanting to not do it. Like, there's no question, I have to do this. Okay? If I am an ambassador of Christ and He's called me to go out, I have to do it. Okay? And I have to make that, I have to force myself, in essence, to do it, even to the fact that it, it oh, it, it's despite the sick physical sick feeling inside of my stomach of saying, you know, are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure you want to, you know, and at the end of the day, I'm so thankful that I do do those things, you know, just for the, uh, for the sake of being obedient um, to the situation that God's placed me in. Um, and again, we'll go back. It's all about focusing on the grace of God through Christ. 
Alright? It's not because I'm special. It's not because the Macedonians are special. It's not because we are, you know, some awesome group of people, you know, who are better than somebody else. It's all because of the grace of God through Christ. So, we give of ourselves out of our own choosing. Next, we give of ourselves with new desires. New desires. It says they gave of their own accord, begging us earnestly. It's funny that he uses the word begging in here for people who are poor, but they're not begging for money. They're not begging for Paul to, to get people to make a collection for them. It'd be real easy for them to say, why are we collecting money for people in Jerusalem? We're poor ourselves. Tell, tell the people in Corinth to collect money for us. Or, Paul, whenever you get done, make sure you come, dude. This stinks here. Like, we're really poor, and we need some help, you know? Um, but they're not begging for money. They're not saying, you know, help us in our circumstances. You know, they're, they're begging earnestly for the favor. We'll get to the favor in just a second. But this attitude of begging earnestly or pleading, pleading with, and then earnestly would be like the word aggressiveness. Like, I don't know, aggressiveness makes me think of like football, obviously, but just like pleading and begging with just excitement and uh, and just passionate, like, you know, let us be a part of this um, kind of thing. It says, uh, right now, they were excited about the opportunity to give. Um, again, which is just so ironic for people who are poor to be begging for the opportunity. Um, so what does that look like for us, our time and money? So, so often I am, in essence, begging for more funds, more money too many times. Or I'm begging at the end of the day for more sleep. Okay, when I show up to work at 5.30, you know, I'm begging for sleep. Like I'm, I'm begging for things for me. I'm begging for more for me. But the Macedonians are begging for more to give. Begging for more to give. Like I want the opportunity to give more. And I'm on the other side of that saying, you know, I've got the wrong attitude here. You know, I need to, to look within myself and focus on this example of the Macedonians. And and, and figure out why am I not doing this also? And it's because I'm not focusing on the grace of God through Christ. Okay, and what He's done for me. Um, so we give of ourselves with, with new desires. We also give of ourselves as a privilege. It says, begging earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Alright, the favor. What's funny about this uh, situation with, I mean, obviously there are a lot of things that are, are, that are ironic. There's a lot of giving going on despite poverty. But don't forget that the, the Macedonians have never met the people in Jerusalem. Like they're complete strangers. They're, they, they don't know, it's not like they all took a mission trip over to Jerusalem and they you know, worked on building you know, structures for them to live in or whatever. Like, they've never met them before. All they know is that Paul came and said, there's a need. These people are in, in a deep need right now. And instead of focusing on their deep need, they said, all right, 
We're in it. We're going to give. We haven't met these people. We don't know them. We don't know their names. We don't know what their situation is. We're ready to give. All right. They viewed it as a favor. Word favor, uh, the Greek term is koinonia. That's easy to say. It means fellowship. All right. Fellowship. So, in essence, this favor is more of them being a part of the believers' lives in Jerusalem. They want to be a part of the fellowship. They want to be in there, you know, joining themselves together saying, look, we hear you have a need. We want to be a part of helping you with that need. All right? In favor of being in fellowship. Um, To me, this reminds me. As we talk about our time and our money, what that looks like, what does this mean for me to view my giving as a favor, as being in fellowship? And I'm glad he's not here today, but obviously Christensen is a huge, a huge example to me of wanting to do something for the privilege or the favor of being part of something. Um, not only does Chris give up his summers, which to me as a teacher, my summer would be so valuable to just relax you know, I've been through a whole year of giving myself to these kids, and I just want to relax. And that's Chris's opportunity to really give of himself in the moments when he wants to just relax. You know, he's on another continent, you know, in and, and, and hot temperatures with poor diet. And, you know, all of the circumstances are just, you know, point they, they don't even matter to him. Like, he's there for the people, and he's there, you know, for the gospel, for God's glory. And so he, his view of giving of his time is as giving towards a favor or a privilege um, during his summer. And not only during his summer, but I'm sure many of you know Chris, you know, he says he keeps his thermostat, you know, on, on the extremes for the sake of saving money for what he does in the summer. I mean, he is very thrifty with how he spends his money, but it's not just because Chris wants more money. It's not because he, you know, wants to be able to save more for himself, but it's for what he's doing in Uganda, you know. And and it's all with a a mindset of, you know, I am not sacrificing in the sense that this, you know, is taking away from me. I'm sacrificing for the sake of this I'm able to give to them. Them receiving is my focus, not my having to take away from myself. I'm not suffering, you know, being in my house in the wintertime and my thermostat set on 68, you know, and it's just, it'd be real easy for Chris to say, man, it's too cold, I'm turning it up to 78. But his view isn't about himself. He's focused on the grace of God through Christ and what he's done for, for himself. And in light of that, he views what he does during the summer and throughout the year as a favor and a privilege. Um... And we have to determine what that looks like for each one of us. Because it's not just Chris as being some special person, you know, and, you know, he can do that, but not me. Like, we have to figure out, if, if this is an example in Scripture for me, i got to figure out what that looks like for me. Okay? So we give of ourselves with new desires, we talked about, and we give of ourselves as a privilege. Talking about for the favor. Ultimately, out of all of those, we give of ourselves with a renewed heart. That's what all of that is focused on. We talked about of their own accord, own accord, begging us earnestly, and for the favor. It's all a heart change within the Macedonians. Okay? It needs to be a heart change within us as well. Viewing things in light of God's grace through Christ. 
Okay. All right, let's look at verse 5. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. This is the most important aspect of what we're looking at as far as the example today of the Macedonians. Okay? The Macedonians show us that ultimately... That by focusing on the grace of God through Christ, we give of ourselves as a sacrifice. Okay? As a sacrifice. Sacrifice not in the sense of, you know, actual sacrifice. But, you know, this is obviously terminology that's very common for us as believers. Um, give of ourselves sacrificially. In essence, meaning, you know, I give of my, my whole self to this. You know? Um... The song that we sang earlier is uh, The Stand, and uh, it's a song that I like to listen to a lot because it kind of communicates. You know, that I give it myself with arms high and heart abandoned in all, in awe of the one who gave it all. You know, like I'm giving myself wholly and fully because you gave yourself wholly and fully for me. Okay? So it's that aspect of, of sacrifice. Um, it says they gave themselves first to the Lord. We give of ourselves first to the Lord. It's that simple. Alright? If I'm giving of myself as a sacrifice, I'm giving of myself first to the Lord. Paul says, not as we expected. So, like, this is out of nowhere. Like, yeah, they're, they're, they're giving towards this huge collection, and then all of a sudden he's like, and this they did, like, we were blindsided by this. They gave themselves first to the Lord. Like, it was like, out of nowhere. It was almost like Paul was just like, you know, wow. You know, this is, this is working for the Philippians, for the Thessalonians, okay? The word gave also means offer, like an offering, or to bring forth, like, you know, almost in the sense as a sacrifice, like you bring forth sacrifice. Also means deliver up. To deliver up. Alright? So to bring or to uh, gave means offer, bring forth, deliver up. And then first, they gave themselves first means in order or importance. So they offered up, they they gave um, of first importance themselves. That was that was the first thing for them to do, and they recognize that. This really captures the whole essence of focusing on the grace of God through Christ. I mean, really, if I'm focusing on Christ's example and I'm to be Christ's example, this is what it should look like. I give myself first to the Lord. Okay. Um, Jesus talks about. Us giving ourselves first to the Lord. In Matthew 10, 37-39. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And that's the ultimate picture of me giving myself first to the Lord. Um, it's, it's the opposite 
of me focusing on what I'm losing, kind of like what we talked about with Chris. It's the opposite of me focusing on what I'm losing as I give myself as a sacrifice and focusing more on Christ's example, what he lost. Okay? Christ gave up all the riches to come down here and be among sinful man. Okay? He didn't count himself as equal uh, with being with God, even though he is God. And gave himself ultimately up on a cross for our sake. Okay? If I'm focusing on his loss, it keeps me from focusing on what I am losing from a worldly perspective. Okay? And that's going to come up a lot as we give up ourselves towards non-believers, unbelievers, who, who in some cases may not even, you know, re- respond to the gospel, may not even care that you're giving of yourself towards them. But ultimately, it doesn't matter because they're not the ones that I'm ultimately doing it for. But I'm doing it in response of God's grace through Christ. Okay. It says, back to the text, and then by the will of God to us. So first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. What's that mean for us? It means we give of ourselves under local leadership. Alright? What's funny is that it doesn't just say, and then they gave themselves to us. Paul doesn't say, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us. Alright? But he says, by the will of God. It's God's will for us to place ourselves under local leadership, trusting them. Alright? Giving of ourselves under their leadership. In the same way that the Macedonians did. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then by God's will to us. Alright? For us, that has a lot of implications because we are a church plant. We are learning how to do things uh, for the very first time. And it looks different, a lot different than what we're accustomed to. And that requires a lot of trust, a whole lot of trust. And, you know, why are we meeting in this facility when I can hear Jackson McLeod screaming at the top of his lungs because he can hear his dad on the microphone? You know, trust. I'm trusting because it is God's will for me to trust. And because ultimately God has placed me here for a reason. And Christ is my example of me giving of myself under local leadership because he gave of himself for me, for us. Okay? Um, so both of those combined, giving ourselves first to the Lord and then under local leadership, is all a part of giving of ourselves as a sacrifice. Okay? That picture of us giving ourselves you know, all of ourselves over to Christ in the same way that he gave all of himself over to us. All right, so the time has come. The time has come for us to to impact this community, all right? We've been meeting here a lot on Sunday mornings. Uh, we've been meeting through, you know, other ways of like discipleship and uh, C-group uh, get-togethers. And that has really helped us bring our friendship, bring our relationship, bring this body of believers together. 
But now it's time for us to reach out into Sonoy and to make an impact for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of God's glory. Um, I want to remind you, I started looking at this passage months ago. Before membership, before you know, we started praying for a new location, I started studying this passage two months ago only because this is where God directed my attention. And it is all part of His plan, His sovereignty for us to be studying the example of the Macedonians and how they gave of themselves. Because, folks, it's time for us to get ready to give of ourselves towards Sonoy, towards unbelievers. Um, and if we're not faithful to do that among ourselves, how can we say we'll be faithful to do that for the sake of Sonoy? Um, so we use this example, we use this blueprint. We looked at giving of ourselves unhindered by circumstances, out of what God has given us, with a renewed heart, and as a sacrifice. Ultimately, like we talked about at the beginning, it's in reflection of His grace. We looked at chapter 5, how that tells us, in essence, what the grace is that we're talking about. That we not receive this grace through Christ in vain. And not do anything with it, not do anything about it. Um, I hope that one day somebody is able to go to another part of this state and be able to say, I want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that's been given among the church in Sonoy. I hope that one day that is something that, that through our focusing on this example... And doing something about it in our lives, through our time and our money, that somebody can go and say, I want you to know about the grace of God that's been given through the church in Sonoy. Because this is our example. We've all been given the grace of God. And now it's, it's time for us to, to, to do something about it here in this community for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of God's glory. And that, that requires us giving of ourselves. In many ways, okay? It's a huge responsibility, and I'm excited that God has given us an example to follow Him. Um, so I'm going to pray, and, uh, and then Adam will come up and lead some discussion, okay? Father, we are so thankful for Your faithfulness to us. God, so thankful for Your Word and how You meet us where we are. You meet us... In our circumstances, um, that you've given us this example of the Macedonians to follow as we seek to make an impact on this community. As we seek to give of ourselves, not in the sense that we lose, but in the sense that, that individuals in this community gain salvation. God, help us. Through your spirit to be focused on how you gave for us so that we can give in light of that. Lord, we need you. Pray that you forgive us for our selfishness, that we, uh, that we use our money and our time in, in, in selfish ways. Pray that, Lord, your spirit would direct us to find ways to, to give of ourselves in light of 
the grace that you've shown us. So we love you. We trust you with our lives. We trust you with our families. We desperately need you as we seek to to put ourselves in a better position to serve this community for the sake of your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. All right, if you want to stand up real quick and just stretch for um, just a second, we're going to talk about some important things that I need you thinking about and praying about before I let you go today. So if you need to stand up real quick, you can. Don't go too far, though, because I want to share quickly and then let you guys go.